0: Welcome to Woodlawn. We're glad that you've joined us today and we want to welcome those who are worshiping with us online as well today. We're glad to have you. Now a young woman preacher was assigned to a small country church and the people of the church had never had a woman preacher before. They didn't know what to think of it. They were unhappy and suspicious. But very soon this young woman preacher began to win their hearts with her extraordinary abilities and deep commitment. She was an outstanding preacher and a keen administrator. She was a natural-born leader and a wonderful pastor. And in no time she had won the hearts of most of the people except for two old crotchety farmers who were hard-nosed, closed-minded, and extremely set in their ways. They didn't like her, a change of any kind, and they didn't like her, this newfangled idea of having this woman as their preacher. She was patient with them, but to no avail. They were cool and grumpy and unbending toward her and crusty in their ways. Finally, someone in the congregation had a great idea. These two guys like to fish. Why don't you ask them if you can go fishing with them so you can spend time with them and get to know them and maybe win them over? And she thought to herself, that might just do the trick. So the young woman, the next Sunday, she came to those two guys, and she said, Hey, I heard you guys like to fish. I thought maybe I could go with you, and we could fish together. They said, Well, we fish on Saturday morning. They frowned, and they grunted, and they groaned, but finally they agreed that she could come. We'll meet at 5.30 at the cafe for breakfast. If you're late, we'll leave you, they said. Don't worry, she said. I'll be there. Then Saturday morning came, and it was time to go fishing. They drove out to the lake, they got into the boat, they pushed out from shore, and they commenced to fish. And the gruff old farmers were surprised to see that she was pretty good at fishing. In fact, she caught the first fish, and it was a good size. And then she caught the first five fish, and they, every time she would catch one, they would frown and groan and mutter and complain under their breath. In a little while, a cool wind blew up, and the young woman preacher felt chilled. She didn't want to disturb her two friends as they fished, so she said, I'm feeling a little bit chilly. If you'll excuse me, I'm going to run up to the car and get my sweater. And with that, she stepped out of the boat and walked on the water over to the shore. When she got there, as the two farmers were watching, they looked at one another and looked at her in amazement. And then one said to the other, Wouldn't you know it? She doesn't even know how to swim. Now, that's not a true story, okay? I admit that. However, it does make an interesting point, and that's this. There are a lot of people in the world today just like those two old farmers, aren't there? There are miracles everywhere, and yet they're unable to see them, unable to appreciate them, and unable to celebrate them. They use their energy being cynical and grumpy and looking for the negative, focusing on the on it intently, and harping constantly. And the truth is that we all have moments of spiritual blindness when we're just not able to see how blessed we really are. The riches of life and the riches of God are all around us, and yet often we fail to see them. What do we do? Well, sometimes we tend to magnify our own difficulties. We tend to overlook our advantages, and we neglect to see the good in what we have. And that's why we need thanksgiving. Thanksgiving reminds us who we are and to whom we belong and upon whom we depend. There's a beautiful example of the real spirit of thanksgiving that's found in the New Testament in the story of Zacchaeus. In Jesus' encounter with Zacchaeus, we discover a fascinating formula for Thanksgiving and how it can dramatically change our lives. Jesus and his disciples are heading to Jerusalem. Jesus is heading to the cross. They pass through Jericho. A great crowd has gathered in order that they might see him. Zacchaeus is in the crowd. And the scriptures tell us that he's a chief tax collector. He's disliked and despised by the people of Jericho for many reasons. For one thing, they dislike Zacchaeus because he's the chief tax collector. He's responsible for gathering the hated Roman tax from the products in Jericho, like balsam and other costly imports from Damascus and from Arabia. And in the day of Jesus, Tax collectors were known for their greed and they were considered outcasts. They were classified as thieves and cutthroats. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, so that made him even more greatly despised. Also, Zacchaeus was regarded by the people of Jericho as a traitor. He was a fellow Jew who had betrayed his people, his nation, his faith, and his God. To them, He was a turncoat. He had gotten rich at their expense, and they resented and rejected him. This was the setting when Jesus came to Jericho that day. Zacchaeus was eager to see Jesus, and being a little man, he couldn't see over the crowd. So we all know what he did. He climbed up into a sycamore tree so that he might see Jesus as he passed by. Now here's something I want you to notice. While other people hated Zacchaeus, while no one would befriend him, while no one would give him the time of day, they didn't want to even see him coming, Jesus noticed Zacchaeus. Not only did he notice him, but Jesus had compassion on Zacchaeus. When he looked into his eyes, he saw a man who was lonely. He saw a man who had no friends. He saw a man who was an outcast, left out, someone that no one else accepted. And Jesus looked at him and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately, he said, for I must stop at your house today. Zacchaeus was overwhelmed by the master's acceptance of him. What a special honor he was given. He jumped down quickly, and then he welcomed Jesus And Zacchaeus' whole life was about to change. Now, Christ does that to us, doesn't he? And so does thanksgiving. Thanksgiving does that to us. Zacchaeus was so grateful that somebody reached out to him, that somebody cared, that somebody accepted him. And so it turned his life around. Now, Jesus didn't give Zacchaeus any material gifts. Jesus gave Zacchaeus the gifts that he needed He gave him love, he gave him respect, and he gave him acceptance. And Zacchaeus was a changed man. In fact, his encounter with Jesus even touched Zacchaeus' pocketbook. The scripture says, But Zacchaeus stood up, and he said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. You see, that's what the real thanksgiving does for us. It changes us. Let me show you what I mean. Christ gave Zacchaeus three things that day. I want us to look at them. First, Christ gave Zacchaeus a new appreciation. Up to this point, Zacchaeus seems to be basically a selfish person, thinking only of himself, and his motto was, what's in it for me? But then Jesus comes into his life, and a special love is ignited within Zacchaeus, and a spark of gratitude comes. You see, there's no such thing as an ungrateful Christian. Christians, by definition, are people who know how to appreciate, who know how to be thankful. Why do we come to church? Because we're thankful. Why do we sing? Because we're thankful. Why do we worship? Because we're thankful. Why do we serve? Why do we love one another? Because God showed us how to serve and love us so that we might serve and love others. Now, most of us respond appreciatively for things that are appreciated. For example... If somebody called you today and told you you had just inherited $20 million, how would you feel about that? Be pretty excited. Stick by the phone this afternoon. I might call. You just can't ever tell what would happen. If somebody called you today and told you you had won a new Lexus, well, that'd be okay, wouldn't it? What if they called and said that you'd won a free trip to Hawaii? Okay, I'll stick by the phone this afternoon. You call me. Let me know about my trip, okay? I'll be right there waiting for your call. But please notice that Jesus' enthusiasm for seemingly ordinary and commonplace things reveals his real appreciative spirit. Think about the frequent references that Jesus made to simple things. He talked about things people related to. He talked about brooms, and candles, and leaven, and old cloth, and things that you might just take for granted. But Jesus saw in them the truths of God, and goodness of God, and the blessing of God, and so he would use those simple things in the stories he told about life, because everybody could relate to those things, and because they could appreciate them once he pointed it out. Look at all the appreciation he has in nature. You know, I talk about the trees a lot. I get that. But I love to see the leaves change in the fall. I love to see the, the things bloom in the spring. I love it when the butterflies come out. I love to see all that stuff happen. I'm so grateful that things aren't always the same. You know, there is one day of fall and one day of spring in Florida. Did you know that? And you've got to watch for it. You've got to be ready because it might show up. And you don't know because it's not on the calendar. When's it going to come? I don't know. But it's coming, right? So he talked about the flowers and the birds and the seeds. He talked about sunset. Sunset's my favorite time of day. Sunset is the end of the day. My work's done. Have you noticed how the sun gets a little brighter right before sunset? And then you watch it set. And then if you go to the beach, you can see it set. And then you see this red glow come up right there around the water. And just for the sky and the water kind of come together. I love that. I just love it. Some people like sunrise the grass of the field jesus spoke about those things and when we notice those things we think about our creator not only that but jesus appreciated people now of all the people who ever lived jesus knew how to appreciate people you know we appreciate people great personalities like schweitzer and saint francis and mother Teresa and wesley and the apostle paul and even moses But Jesus saw every person, even Zacchaeus, as a child of God. He appreciated and respected people as a part of the family of God. And that appreciative spirit of Jesus is contagious. In a hated tax collector, Jesus saw a promising disciple. In a weak and vacillating Simon Peter, Jesus saw a rock. In a cup of cold water, Jesus saw divine compassion. In the lily, the commonest of all the Palestinian flowers, he saw glory greater than Solomon's. In a sparrow, the commonest of birds, he saw the providence of God. In a grain of mustard, the smallest of all seeds, he saw the kingdom of heaven. And in the face of a child, he saw the keys to the kingdom. You know, sometimes when I was in Navarre United Methodist Church years ago, we would have preschool chapel, and they would invite me to come and read a story to the children. And so I would go, and I'd have a little storybook, and I'd read it, and I'd show it to them. And so I was doing that the week of Thanksgiving, and I was talking to them, and I was talking about the things for which we're thankful. And I asked them, okay, so what are you thankful for? Well, you know how kids are. They just started shouting out all the things they were thankful for, right? And they would tell you all that stuff, and you'd say, that's great. And then I said, but who are you thankful to? And without missing a beat, they all said, God. <laughs> We're thankful to God. They know how to be thankful. They know who is the one who provides for them. Zacchaeus caught a spark that day when Christ walked into his life and gave him a new appreciation. Second, Christ gave Zacchaeus a new evaluation. It was a set of new priorities, a way of measuring what's really valuable. I saw a recruiting ad recently that fascinated me. Here's what it says. It's got a a young man with a six-day growth of beard. His shirt is ripped and hanging open, a canteen on his belt. His pants are rolled up to his knees. He's got his shoes in his hand, and he's wading through a muddy river in a jungle. The caption reads, Tim was voted most likely to succeed. Now look at him. Underneath, the recruiting copy continues, It's too bad. He had it made. Personality, initiative, a college degree with honors, success, and the good life for his for his asking. Now look at him. He's backpacking across some jungle river, giving his life to illiterate people barely out of the Stone Age. Painstakingly creating a written alphabet from a previously unrecorded babble of sounds, working night and day, translating the pages of the New Testament, exposing the selfless selfishness of superstition and ignorance, reliving pain and introducing the possibility of health, building a bridge of love and understanding to a neglected people, and to think, Tim could have been a success. Then the ad closes with these words. If you're interested in Tim's kind of success, contact Wycliffe Bible Translators, and you can join him. The point is clear. Tim had made an evaluation. It was a Christ-like evaluation. It was a suffering servant kind of evaluation. You see, Jesus' way of evaluating success turns the world upside down, or should I say, it turns the world right side up. He shows us a sense of meaning that is more important than material wealth. That is, that discipleship is better than dollars. That helping other people is more fulfilling than feathering our own nest. Zacchaeus caught the spark that day And he came down out of the sycamore tree with a new appreciation and a new evaluation. And third, Christ gave Zacchaeus a new motivation. Zacchaeus was converted that day from a selfish person to a self-giving person, from greed to graciousness. From that belongs to me to I belong to that. If thanksgiving is a recognition of God's generosity, then Christian living is an imitation of that generosity. It happened on a Saturday morning, September the 11th, 2001. Our nation and the world were still in shock and anguish and pain over the terrorist attack on New York, Washington, and, of course, Pennsylvania. A little boy from Texas was going door to door collecting money from his neighbors to send to New York to help the relief efforts. One older man opened the door. The little boy told him what he was going to do, and then he asked the little boy, Well, tell me, son, how much do you hope to raise? The little fellow without flinching said, One million dollars. The elderly man smiled, and he looked at the little boy. He said, do you mean to tell me that you're trying to raise a million dollars all by yourself to send the relief efforts in New York? The little boy said, oh, no, no, sir, (laughs) not by myself. My little brother is helping me. You know, Christ comes into our lives, and we can't sit still. We still have to take up his ministry of love. That becomes a new motivation for you and me. It's expressed powerfully in the New Testament. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. He who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. We love him because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and he hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother cannot love God. The great Christian Augustine expressed it strongly like this. Love is the only final destination between the children of God and the children of evil. All may sign themselves with a cross. All may say amen. All may be baptized. All may come to church and line the walls of our meeting places, but there is nothing to distinguish the children of God from the children of evil except love. They that have love are born of God, and they that have not love are not born of God. Christ walked into Zacchaeus' life that day in Jericho, and he gave it a new appreciation a new evaluation, and a new motivation. Boy, this is a great week to be thankful. We've been talking about Thanksgiving all month. This is an opportunity maybe for you to get together with friends or family. Maybe you're going to have a small Thanksgiving. Maybe you're just going to stay home. Maybe you're going to join together somewhere else at another home of a family family member or friend. Maybe you're going to kind of do Facebook for thanksgiving and just talk to folks because of covid but whatever you do it's an opportunity for all of us to stop to just sit down for a minute to look at what god's done in our lives have you noticed that all the devotional material recently has been leading up to thanksgiving and it's all talking about looking at what we have to be thankful for and it makes the point that when we do that It makes us appreciate things even more. And we're even more grateful. And it is a positive impact on our lives in a positive way. We see things from a great perspective, an attitude of appreciation. I hope all of you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. And I hope you have a great time, whatever you do. And I hope it's a time where you're drawn closer to God. You know, if you've got Jesus... You're never alone, even on Thanksgiving. Let us pray. Oh, God, we are grateful. We, we see the many ways that you have blessed us, and we know it comes from you. We, we don't have to to wonder. Lord, that's a beautiful thing about being a Christian. We know that you are our source. You are the one who provides. Lord, there are so many things, too many to to. Just talk about today, but I pray this week that we might pause, maybe before we have the blessing, maybe during the blessing, maybe even before that, and make a mental note or make a list or just talk about with one another the ways that we are grateful for our health, for the goodness that you've shown us, for our friends and family, for the blessings even in the midst of COVID for the way that you've helped us recover from Hurricane Michael and the way that you will help us recover from Hurricane Michael for those who are still recovering, for those who have recovered from COVID. Lord, we're thankful for the memory of those who did not, for the many, many, many ways that you show us your presence and your peace. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We pray in your son's name.